Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily, your award-winning Premier League podcast from the Sports Social team. All the latest top flight news and opinion right throughout the week. So hit subscribe and that way you will not miss a show, including any of our conversations with former top flight players. Last week, we spoke to Manchester United legend Wes Brown. And tomorrow, we'll be hearing from former England and Everton winger Trevor Stephen, who was on the pitch the very moment Diego Maradona executed the hand of God in 1986. And I bet Peter Shilton wishes there was VAR in the Azteca all of those years ago. And VAR has been in the firing line this weekend. On today, Today's episode of the show, we're going to look at what was a weekend of dodgy decisions in the Premier League. It wasn't the greatest game week for match officials and indeed VAR, and not for the first time have the men in the middle come in line for some criticism. But just how much pressure are referees actually under? Well, the best way to answer that question is to ask it to someone who's been in that very position, former Premier League referee Mark Housey's joining us on the podcast today. Morning, Mark. Good morning, how are you? I'm well, mate, I'm well. I- I'm probably imagining that you're waking up this morning thinking, I'm not sure I miss refereeing when, when you see the amount of sticks <laughs> some of the officials have been getting this weekend. Well, I'm, I'm waking up this morning, hoping my team QBR will get three points against Sunderland tonight, because <laughs> we need them. <laughs> and it's nice to be in that position where you're more worrying about um, your own team rather than anything else that's happened. Uh, I think we should put it out there. Mistakes have been made by referees and VAR this weekend. There's no question about that. Howard Webb from the PGMOL, which is the organisation that looks after referees in the game, he's had to come out and apologise. What do you make of the whole situation from the last couple of days? Well, I think, listen, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's human error. Um, but I think this has been many years in the making because, I mean, it comes down to the leadership and direction, the training of education of not just on the field of play, but off the field of play in the, in, in, in the VAR bunker. Um, so I, I think it goes back many years and we have seen over the seasons that there have been many inconsistencies with, with VAR. And I, and, and 
I think you've got to, you, you've got to look to the previous management for this um, because of the leadership and direction and the training education. So, um, and obviously not following the IFAB protocol like we should have done in the first place. So, I think it's a, bre- a breath of fresh air that we they brought Howard in because obviously the the, the clubs, um, the stakeholders, the fans, because the fans are just as important as anybody else have lost that confidence in in the the PGMOL. And I, and, I, and I think it's, you know, a breath of fresh air that Howard has come in. I've worked with Howard many times. Um, at, at great, great lad, great bloke. Um, and I think in time, he's got to be given the time, we will, he will sort things out. Um, yeah, so I think, he, you know, given give him time, he's, I think he's still got his hands tied behind his back, obviously, because uh, the previous management are still involved. So I think come the end of the season, I think we'll start seeing some some changes. In terms of VAR, you refereed in the Premier League for 14 years. And when you retired in 2013, I'd argue that you were probably retiring just at the point when the cries for technology in the game were beginning to grow louder and louder. So how do you see the introduction of VAR into the game? Do you think to yourself, I wish I had VAR when I was refereeing, or do you think the opposite? Do you think you're glad that it was never there? Absolutely. I could have done with it and wanted you when I refereed against Newcastle and I'd give you a free <laughs> kick outside the box. It should have been a penalty. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, listen, I, I, VAR is here to stay. Um, and it's it's not the system. It's the personnel that's, that's operating it. And that that's the problem. It, it, we, have, we, have, we do see many, many inconsistencies week in, week out you know if we look at the if we look at the West Ham Chelsea game at the weekend now Suchek that is a, a clear clear handball clear handball and and I, I, I don't quite understand how the, the, the VAR has not seen that as a, a clear and obvious error I think in those situations you've got to also look at why is the referee not seeing that why is he not given that as handball why is the assistant not coming and, and help because they can't because re- refereeing is is an art it's not a science so, and and for me, that was a clear and obvious error. A clear and obvious error. And I think that's where the training education comes in, you know, to iron out these inconsistencies because, you know, that needs to be shown to the, to the group. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, many videos need to be shown and say, right, this, 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 these are clear and obvious errors. These are subjective. So you can understand if that was subjective at, at, at uh, West Ham, you say you can understand perhaps why it wasn't given or why it wasn't recommended review. If Craig Pawson had been recommended a review on that incident, on well, no doubts it would have been a penalty given. I always wonder about the subjectivity of refereeing, to be honest, Mark. Because, for instance, I know he's retired now, but Mike Dean is a little bit older and grew up in a different part of the country than someone like Michael Oliver, for example. So what Mike Dean might have seen as a foul from his interpretation and understanding of football growing up in Merseyside may be completely different to what Michael Oliver saw as a foul growing up in the northeast of England. Is that just something we have to get to grips with? Yeah, that, that's where that's where you come in the, with the subjectivity. It, you know, VAR is there for the absolute howler, the clear and obvious error. And that's what we've got to get to. We've got to get that. And we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We, I mean, you know, I think if you if you look at the a few weeks ago where, um, you know, the, the controversial Man United goal with with Rashford and Fernandes you know for me that what does everybody in football expect with that incident 
What did you expect in that incident when it happened? I'll be honest, I was in the stadium. I thought it was offside, personally, commentating on the match. I thought straight away that it was offside. Absolutely, and, and, and that's what I, and that's my feeling straight away. And it's good to see that Howard has come out and said now, you know, a different decision would have been given because football sees that as offside. And, I, and when I watched it straight away, I thought, you know, Darren Cam, the assistant, was absolutely spot on to put his flag up because the ball is close to Rashford the ball is close so when the ball even though he's not played it the ball is close where he then becomes inter, interfering with the defenders not only defender he's interfering with the Manchester City goalkeeper because he's set for a shot from Rashford and then obviously Rashford goes to put his foot back stops and lets Fernandez come in and, and, and finish so for me that that is that he becomes involved in active play because he's running alongside more he makes an action to go towards the ball he's interfering with the defenders and the goalkeeper and I, I, I just, I, I don't understand. I, don't, I didn't understand the reason. I mean, I, listen, you look at the, sometimes the laws and that, you can argue both ways. But for me, that's more offside than not. And, it, and as I say, it's good to see that um, Coward come out and, and, and clarified that, you know, that happens again. It's offside. Because in any other league in the world and the Champions League, that is offside. How much of a leader is Howard Webb? You said you've worked with him and it's interesting we're talking about him in this capacity because he will be thinking, I've only been in the building a few weeks and I've had to come out and apologise twice already. Will he be whipping some of the officials into shape behind the scenes at the PGMOL and saying, listen, we need to tighten up here because I can't keep coming out and apologising for you every week. It's getting stupid. As I said, it's been in the years of making. You know, right. we've, we've not, you know, we're going back, we're going back many, many years now. Um, and I said in the previous management, you know, everybody's lost confidence in them. So Howard was an excellent referee. Howard's a good bad manager. He's a good sob. I mean, you know, he, 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 his job before becoming a uh, professional referee was a police sergeant at uh, in Sheffield. So, you know, he's, he knows how to deal with people. He knows what to say. He knows how to say the right things. And he's been working in the MLS for about the last five years. So he's done an excellent job over there. And yes, you know, he has got his work cut out. He will know that. But it's about bringing in the right people in place, getting the right team around him. It's like a football club. You know, a new manager goes in, he brings his own team around, and mm. that's why I say, you know, wait till the wait till the um, uh, the end of the season. I think you'll see, uh, you know, a few a few changes. Um, I mean, I, I think it's good that they took you know John Brooks out the firing line last night because obviously, you know, you need you know he, he won't be concentrating. He he, he will be upset that he's missed yeah. it. You know, is, is it like vital. that when you make a mistake, Mark? Does it keep you up at night sometimes? When you're oh, thinking... Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I remember the I remember the game um, that uh, uh, I refereed a game at Molyneux, um, the, the Newcastle game, where you know you're driving home, you're thinking because you get you know straight away as soon as you come off the pitch, you know mm. it's outside, you know it's a penalty, it's inside the box, and you think, oh, God, how, how have I not seen that? You know, because the foul committed inside, but he fell outside, so. You do, you think about it and you, you go home, you analyse it and you think, how oh, have I made that mistake? What could I have done better? And, it's, and, it, and it does eat at you. You know, people think we just get in our cars and drive home and forget. I mean, yeah, I never yeah. used to because I'm I'm a football lover, I'm a football fan and you don't want to make those errors. So, you you know, you, you, you analyse your performance, you know, the next two or three days and then sometimes you, you know, you... You don't you, you don't feel like it because you know you've made a mistake and you, you mm. want to you want to get out there as quick as you can and referee again to 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 put that behind you. But yeah, I mean it's good that um, yeah I mean you know John John was taken off you know last night and um, when Wednesday's game at Arsenal as well because it he needs to focus and 
and they need needs to you know look over go why has he made that mistake and get his confidence back up and want to get back out there and whether it's in the VAR studio or on on the pitch. You spoke about maybe a few changes in personnel and I thought that was an interesting point in general because we've seen people like Jared Gillett come over from Australia and referee in the Premier League and I think personally he made a bit of a mistake at the weekend but you know that's just my opinion. Um, Do you think we should be having the best people for the job regardless of whether they're from England, Australia, the United States? Do you think that that's what it is, like you mentioned before, just having the best people for the job in the Premier League? Well, I mean, yeah. listen, when you talk about, you know, uh, the weekend, you can look at that in in, in two ways. You know, looking at the grassroots level with with, uh, referees facing abuse week in, week out, um, should... Jared made that stand he did at the weekend and, and I think you saw it on Sunday as well at Man City Villa where I think one of the City defenders has gone running 50 yards up to Rob Jones um, see, so, so, see for me players uh, referees go on to the play demanding respect straight away and for me you've got to earn that respect you know you've got to earn that respect uh, you know your, your, your accuracy and your decision making your engagement of, of players, the way you engage, the way you talk to the players, you know, your recognition of offences, your your awareness of what's going on on around you, and you're talking to the players all the mm. time. And when I when I when I looked at that incident, I mean, I'm, a, I'm most probably upset a few grassroots referees that you know um, what I say. But when you referee at that level, for me, you know, he had three players running at him. As a referee, you you will know. That player is already on a caution. So you've got two. I can't remember the two players that come running at him. And then obviously mm. the third was... Um, Lamina, yeah. yeah but I'm not, I'm, this is my point. I'm not convinced Jarrett remembered. But, well, yeah, but you, you've, got, you, you've got to know. You've got to know. When you pull that card out, you know his number's on that card. So, you know, for me, I would have known I've already cautioned that player. Okay? So if you want to set an example and, and, and caution a player for descent, do the first two to come. Mm-hmm. Do the one of the one of the other guys that come, you know, they're they were the first two. Lamina was the was the last one. So do one of those players. Or if you don't want to caution the players, call the Lamina out, you know, bring the captain in, bring him in, and give him a, a public rebuke in front of everybody. If he does that again, he's he's going for an early shower. And so yeah, it's it's a, it's about it's about managing the game. It's, it's not about the laws all the, the law. It's not about the laws all the time. You know, it's not about the laws of the game. It's about knowing the game of football, and that that is the shop floor. I mean, I've trained many years with professional players up at Bolton Wanderers, so you know at, that's the shop floor. You do get shop floor language going on. Yeah, you do. You get it. I'm, I'm industrial language. One referee once described it to me as. Yeah, it's it, it's industrial language. It goes on. I I used to hear far worse from the stands. Yeah, when yeah. you got close enough. So mm. it does go on, but so it's the way the referee approaches the game, the way he engages with the players, that makes a massive, massive difference. You know, sometimes you see referees the arrogance and not wanting to talk to players and just dismiss them. You know, so it, it, it's about managing the game, managing the players, managing an event. I've seen Joey Barton on social media this morning. Did you have a referee, Joey, by any oh, chance? Oh, job, man. Referee Joey a few times. <laughs> <laughs> well, this I morning he's been saying... What he said to me and what I said back to it's him. It's all right, Mark. We've got a bleep button on this podcast, I think, uh, if you want to... That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Joey Barton tweeted this morning saying he thinks that more ex-professionals 
should take up the refereeing route. Now, I know there are a few in the game already that have taken a non-league approach and then gone into refereeing like yourself. But do you think there should be more ex-pros going into the game? Will that help with the game management that you mentioned? Yeah, listen, it doesn't mean to say that every ex-player is going to make a good referee. Um, I might think I did, but there'd be some to say, you know, you must be joking. But I, I think, it, I mean, I look at it and I, and I have to agree because... If you look at, I mean, I love me cricket, and if you look, if you look at when professional cricketers retire and go into umpiring, they pass the te- they pass their exam, and they go straight into second eleven umpiring, learning their trade there, and then moving into first class umpiring, and possibly they're good enough onto the international seat. Now, listen, we're not going to get Premier League or Championship players wanting to be a referee because the money they earn is. Is astronomical, so they won't. They won't want to get. They won't. They won't. They won't need to earn money when they retire. It's. To, I think it's looking at the guys that play, professional players that are in the national league, league one and league two that you know don't get a lot of money. And if they're coming towards the end of their careers at 32, 33, 34, get the PFA involved, the and the AMA, and put them through. Put them through. It, those that want to be a ref, become a referee. Because it's, it, yeah, it's a good earner mm. for them if mm. they you know. Um, get them through the course and then accelerate them well, so they start their refereeing careers in the National League National League North National League South and actual National League and if they're good enough then they can move them into the Football League and, yeah. and into the Premier League because I think people that so, don't understand refereeing don't understand that there are there are levels there are steps you know so you know step step four is sort of non-league football that's right I mean my, that's right I mean my brother's in that football he manages in the Southern League down in in, in Hertfordshire yeah um, and he sort of moans to me quite a lot about standard of, of officiating so it's not just at the top level it goes all the way down and that's where do you think there are too many steps then to get referees in into the position to be able to improve or? yeah I think it's it can, I mean it's a lot easier now to, to get um, promote because they have uh, mid-season promotions I mean when I started it was like you class one class two one class three, so you had one, two, and three. Now you go all the way down to level seven. Um, so listen, I, I think it's it's about getting the right people in place, the right coaches. I mean, I always I always used to say that um, you know, good football coaches turn average players into good players, good players into excellent players, and excellent players into international players. That is no different with with refereeing coaching, and that's the problem. We've got to get you know the good coaches in place, and I think that that's what Howard will look at. Uh, you know. All, all, all levels, whether whether you've got a a, a top level coach, like I mean, you've got Martin Atkinson as as retired now. He's he's now a, a PGML coach. So whether he goes and watches a top referee in the Premier League midweek, perhaps should be going down to look at somebody and you know some of the talent that's refereeing a step four, step five, step six, and 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 and, and sort of picking out guys that you think might could go all the way. It's no different to it's no different to scouts going around watching young players and bringing them to their football club. One thing that I've always wondered is we talk about referees going full time at all levels through the EFL. And I'm not sure whether that will work because I guess and it'll be interesting to hear your take on this, I presume there's no substitute for refereeing a ninety minutes in a pressurized environment. You can do all of the training you want, keep your fitness levels up, analyze video of decisions that have been made the week before but I guess you actually have to do it and you know if you've only got one game a week two games a week you know how, how do you improve I suppose is the question 
Well, oh, like you say, you, you, you're looking. I mean, you, you, you do train during the week. I mean, obviously, full full time. But you got your full time referees. Say like the part time referees. But they will most probably speak to their their their, their coach or their what in League One and League Two. They get assessed um, by match assessors. So there's a match assessor there watching that game, and sometimes they're not always the best. Um, but they get they get a report from that assessor, you know, on their performance. Um, then have their coach. Their, their coach will then get a copy of that assessment. Uh, and then they, they go through the game with their, you know, the, the, everyone gets a DVD. They go through the incidents, they go through their assessment, they look at the DVD and, and look at things where perhaps they can improve. And they, they agree with some of the assessment and, they, and some of them they would disagree with some of the assessment. So it's about, for me, it's about getting those big key decisions correct. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And I, I still like to see referees at the top level making their own decisions, not relying on VAR. I think that's a, a little problem we've got at the moment as well. You know, they're not giving decisions where they should be. If, if it's wrong, VAR will come in. You know, make that decision at that moment. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting is we've had a question here from Jack and he says, do referees listen to analysis of their performance? You, you've clearly said that that's a yes. And are they advised to watch as little coverage of football as possible? Because of course... We see pundits and media sort of tearing strips off of referees when mistakes are made. Yeah, listen. It, 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 I mean, I was I was one of those that um, I never I never read newspapers. I never listened to what pundits said because it's whatever we do in life is all about is all about confidence. Everything's about confidence, uh, and then sometimes those sort of remarks and, and and reports on your game sort of knocks your confidence. So everything we do is about confidence. So I never used to look at things like that because, you know, it could dent your confidence. Mark, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Appreciate your time. Don't fancy going into umpiring then. No, thanks. No, 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 no. Too, too old for that. Too old. <laughs> Mark, all the best. Thanks for your time. You're welcome. Take care. All the very best. Football Social Daily. Former Premier League referee Mark Halsey there on Football Social Daily today. Don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow with another interview with a former Top Flight star. We'll be speaking to Trevor Stephen on tomorrow's episode. The former Everton and England winger will be with us. And as I mentioned earlier, he was on the pitch the same day and at the very same time that Diego Maradona punched the ball in the back of the net during the World Cup in Mexico in 1986. An amazing moment, an incredible moment, really. I think the ball from that game has gone for about two million quid at auction or something like that. But it's an amazing tale nonetheless. And he also tells us some really cool anecdotes about his time at Goodison Park as well, winning the title in the FA Cup in the mid-80s with Everton. Those running battles with Liverpool for all of the silverware. And whether he can keep up in a drinking contest with Peter Reid. That's the question that everyone wants answering, isn't it? Trevor will be joining us tomorrow on the podcast. As I say, hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it. But from myself on Football Social Daily today, that is it. And we'll catch you next time. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.